What's up, guys? Welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, as well as Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host, JJ Jerez. With me, of course, Arif Dean and Patrick Stedman, who we just found out can't beatbox. We're, we're putting that on record. But... Of course, there was an awesome game last night at Ball Arena between the Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning, but we're not going to get into that just yet. We're going to save that one for Sunday after the Dallas Stars game. So um, save all your thoughts, Arif Patrick, for Sunday on that one. It's going to be a good one, though, because that was a fun game to watch, right? Um, today's podcast, you know, we're coming in on a Friday. It's going to be a short one. We kind of have a quota to hit here, but... There's some happenings at Ball Arena, right? Joe Sackick had a little press conference, and it's pretty rare for us to get to see Joe Sackick talk. And every time he does, it's, it's uh, I guess it has a little bit more weight to it, right, to, to get to hear him. So, Arif, you were in that press conference uh, yesterday before the game. I, unfortunately, had to work, had an emergency listing. You know, I love real estate as much as I love hockey, but one, unfortunately, pays more than the other. Um, so, Arif, let's get into the Joe Sackick conference. I mean, I always find it so funny how careful Joe is to really say anything, right? And even I don't know if it's about misspeaking or giving away his cards, right, showing, showing his hand, or if it's just, a, you know, we saw the backlash. I know you haven't spoken yet. It's been a minute and a half. Sorry. I know you're not used to that. But we saw the backlash from, uh, from the <laughs> Gabe Landeskog, I don't do a lot of drugs, right? So I think maybe part of that is Joe Sackick saying, I got to really tiptoe around what I say here because – that's that's Joe Sackick saying he does do a lot of drugs. That's what that is. No, uh, it's it's general manager speak. It's it's what you do in a position like that is you be diplomatic. You don't show your cards. And when you're some guy that they used to call quoteless Joe, and the entire narrative around you as a general manager is learning from Pierre Lacroix, who never showed his hands, never talked, never wanted to tell people or let anybody in on what he's doing, then you know you're going to end up in a press conference like that where. When he does say something that has any bit of like absoluteness to it, you know it's a real thing because he just doesn't do that often. Yeah, absolutely. So there was a couple things that stood out to you and I during that press conference. So um, I want to just kind of get to each of those. I mean, there were a couple things that, he, you know, he was very vanilla and bland. But like you said, there were a few statements he made that really stood out and really made some noise as Eric flex into the flexes into the Skype camera here for us all. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it was nice to hear the way the, the press conference kind of started, right? He just kind of assessing 21, 22 so far and, and his thoughts. And I think he obviously has a, a place in his heart for this team. You could hear it in his voice. He really likes the guys in the locker room and the way they're handling themselves this year. Yeah, and I think it's uh, you know it, it's rubbed off on him, the fact that he's watching what this team did, especially in January, and he referenced that quite a few times, coming back and winning games in different ways. And he even said at one point something along the lines of, you know, in years past, we wouldn't have won those games. This year, we found a way to do it. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, you run into Joe Sackick at the games, going down the elevator or something, and it was either the Boston game or the Toronto game. One of those exciting overtime wins. I want to say it was Boston. I get in the elevator with him and I said something along the lines of, well, that was fun. And he just kind of gives like this, Oof, like, wow. Like he was kind of impressed, like taken aback by what his team had done that night. It, I, it may have been Toronto. I don't remember, honestly. But it was one of those long, you know, those big comebacks that had to do with a third period uh, late charge and then an overtime win. And he was kind of like, 
this is incredible. This is special. And that's what he was saying yesterday. You know, he said outside of the slow start to start the year, obviously there were four five and one. He said, we've been consistent. We're finding new ways to win. Uh, the goaltending gets stepped up when we've needed. And you know, he, my favorite quote is there's no quit in this team. And, and, you know, if Joe is saying that, then that's, that's some heavy praise for the roster that's playing right now. I don't want to say they took a step backwards in the offseason, but they lost pieces, right? And we kind of all expected them to, I wouldn't say be worse, but maybe, uh, you know, struggle a little bit more than they have. I mean, you saw the month of January. That was amazing. This is an amazing team, and there's no questions about it anymore. But we're all kind of amazed by what this team does, right? I mean, we've said it all season. There's games that I think typically we were watching that in years past they would have let slip, and they're finding ways to dig them, dig deep. I mean, I know we don't want to get in the Tampa Bay game too much here, but I feel like after that no call, that no goal, right, the goal was waved off because there was no conclusive evidence, I feel like in years past that team would have let that Tampa Bay Tampa Bay Lightning get back in the game and perhaps eventually lose it. You kind of felt that that was going to happen, but they shut it down and they were able to hold them off. They they looked fine the entire night yesterday, and and it's that no quit attitude that Joe's talking about. It's uh, not letting up, even when you're trailing four to one and your starting goalie was pulled. Even when you have third and fourth string goalies in the net, you know, even coming off a night in Toronto in December where you lost eight to one. Coming in the next night with Jonas Johansson and winning the very next night. Granted, it was Montreal and they're having a bad season, but just bouncing back from things like that right away. So he assessed the team and he pretty much said the things that we've been seeing all year. But to come from somebody like him in his position to show his cards of how impressed and how happy and how proud he is of his team is not something you usually see from someone like Joe Sackick. So it was just really really like it was a breath of fresh air to see him talk like that about the team before going into all the other issues that he had to discuss yeah I mean it's an awesome team and I really like the thought of the finding different ways to win right I mean I I, we're definitely seeing that it's not something you and I have really leaned too much into but that's huge for a team that's striving to be a Stanley Cup champion because in the playoffs you're gonna have to do that right you're gonna have to find ways to win the 2-1 games and then find ways to win the 7-6 games, find ways to win the physical games and find ways to win when the goalie's shutting you down. And we've seen them do that all season long that I feel this team is so prepared for the playoffs right now that I, I had no idea that they'd ever get to this point, right? I'm always kind of the pessimistic, trying to find what's wrong with the team, and it's just so hard to do. You know. It's so hard to do right no, now. No, you never, never, you don't even do, like, we don't even have a review on Apple that says you guys are too damn negative. That doesn't exist either. Um, no, I mean, look back to the game against the Florida Panthers when uh, Jacob McDonald got hit, and it was, like, you know, one of the hardest and rough and tumble games that we saw at Ball Arena this year. It was a lot of fun. It was super physical and you have all these things going on against a really good Florida team and Burakovsky steps up and scores a hat trick and they win three to two. That's the kind of game that they needed against the Vegas Golden Knights in the playoffs last year because those are the kind of games that the Vegas Golden Knights were beating them in the playoffs last year. So it was just nice and refreshing to see Joe touch on pretty much the exact recipe that this team needs heading into the playoffs, being able to play the run and gun game and winning those, but also being able to play those different style games with or without relying on your goalie, where you can come in and still put up three, four, five goals or two if you need to, to win a low scoring game. Yeah, it's always good to uh, be impressing the boss too, right? When your boss has that many good things to say about you, I mean, I don't know. I, I obviously have nothing more, 
I guess no more good things to say about this team. And to to hear Joe Sackett kind of reiterate all the thoughts we've been having. I mean, coming from a brain like his, it's it just means a lot, and it really shows you the quality of the team they have in front of them right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's hard to be at this point of the season and look at your team and say, what can we do to be better when they're playing this good? But you also don't want to get sidetracked by the fact that a lot of other teams are going to be looking to improve here soon. And you just got to make sure you keep up without disrupting this, whatever this is that they have right now, without disrupting it too much. Yeah, it doesn't feel like they're going to even get close to that, right? We've talked about their attitude all year long, and they're just not complacent, and that's uh, I, I can't see that changing anytime soon. Right now, it really feels like, uh, it, you know, you even mentioned how everybody's kind of angry coming out of the All-Star break, right? Everything's turned up a notch around the NHL right now. I know we're still just barely halfway through the season, but in the NHLers' minds and the coaches' minds, like, it's go time right now. That's always how it is coming out of the All-Star break, and uh, that's what you got to do. I mean, we saw the Calgary Flames yesterday play a rough-style game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That looked like a team ready to play a seven-game series, the Calgary Flames, especially the Daryl Sutter type of hockey. Once you come out of the All-Star break, man, it's it's full steam ahead right to the playoffs. That's what it is, and, and even though the playoffs are a little bit later than usual this year, it's like May 2nd instead of April 16 or 15 or whatever, uh, it's, it doesn't make a difference. In the players' minds, they just finished the All-Star break, and it's time to rock. What a tease, right? I mean, it almost feels like it'd be awesome to get right into the playoffs out of the All-Star break, but it just makes for a, a really good and dramatic ending to the regular season. But having them all, I guess, juiced up about the season right now and just seeing the quality hockey that we saw last night at Ball Arena and around the rest of the league, you're seeing a lot of good games. So, you know, strap in and, and enjoy the run here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think another thing that stood out to us was Bo Byram, right? The, the comments he had about Bo Byram and essentially saying that he he's not interested in putting him in on LTIR. It's not so much a long-term game, and there's a hope for him to return this season. I don't think any of us really felt that hope. Uh, I think all of us kind of are saying, let's just move this along to maybe next year or the future. But to hear it out of Joe Sackick, that gives you a little bit of hope because you, you love ha- having Bo Byram in the lineup. He's amazing. I mean, the reality is all along, there was nothing that was saying that he is or is not done for the year. It was he stepped away. He's working on these lingering issues. And obviously he's going to, you know, talking about Bo here, not Joe. Byram's going to, you know, Bo and Byram's going to have to sit back and he is sitting back and assessing what would be best for him. Is it to play now? Is it to wait until next year? Is it to come back in March and April and May and February even? Um, What's going to work the best for him and his career and his health? And, you know, nobody can decide that but him. The people that are tweeting at us and tweeting at the media saying, stop asking about Bo, let it go until next year. It's like, no, our job is to report on this. And if if Bo decides on Saturday, February 12th, that he's ready to return and will meet the team in Dallas, then who are any of us or any fan or any media member, anybody to, you know, to question that? This is a decision that Bo is making as an adult with the perfect support system around him, his loving family, his agent, people that care about him. And obviously the team, the team, you know, is, is in full support of him. They granted him his personal leave. They're going to welcome him in with open arms. It's not every day that a player collects a paycheck by just stepping away, but the team is letting him do that because they are in full support of him. So, you know, there was never anything that said Bo was going to be out for the season, but at the same time, I'm not saying he's coming back. This is a, you know, this is going to be one of those things where we're going to wake up one morning and we're going to hear that Bo is returning 
whether that's now, whether it's in March, April, May, June, if they're playing that long, or whether it's at training camp or in October, November, you know, it's, it's a decision he's going to make. And what Joe said to me basically reiterated that I thought it was nice to hear him you know, mentioned straightforwardly that, you know, we would love to have him back and we'll welcome him back. But I don't really think it changes the case or changes anything at all in terms of if or when Bo returns. Yeah, I think everybody just assumes the worst when it comes to a concussion issue, right? We've seen it play out so many times in the past. And the fact that he kind of left the team and isn't around waiting to get better, it's more of a long-term play. I think everybody just assumed that it wasn't going to be a this-year thing. But you're right, until we hear he's not coming back this year, it's still something to, to ask about in press conferences. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's the job of the media. Our job isn't here to pressure Bo sitting at home listening and going, oh, damn, they keep asking about me. No, it's to report the news. And the news is, hey, is Bo any updates? And right now there are none. And there will be eventually. One way or another, there will be an update eventually on Bo and Byram. Uh, but we just don't have that right now. But, you know, whatever he's doing right now, I hope he's obviously getting better and taking care of himself and, and his health and his well-being. Um, but again, whether he decides to come back Saturday, February 12th or sometime in May or June or September, October, November, whatever he decides, the team is in full support and uh, it'll happen when it happens. Yeah, I guess it's just a matter of how how likely it is for him to re-aggravate this injury, right? I mean, it's it's a physical game, and the playoffs are, are no different, that even a, a light hit can cause another concussion. So it's I think that's really what he needs to assess the hardest, is if I am to take another hit, am I going to be out another 7 to 10 weeks? Because then, or, or 7 to 10 weeks, 7 to 10 days, 14 days, you know, whatever timeline you have for a concussion, it, that's when you really start to think about the future, right? Because... You don't want to see him get another concussion, but you want, you absolutely need to see him back in this lineup because he's such a pivotal piece. So I don't know. It's just such a, a, a tough thing that he's dealing with, I'm sure. Tough thing that the Avalanche are dealing with because everybody wants him back, but there's such a careful line you have to walk there with concussions. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's it's hard for me to predict anything with concussions, and I don't like to do it. Because they are just a big question mark. You know, I don't like to sit there and be on the positive glass half full side and be like, well, Sidney Crosby did it. How about David Perron? Remember when David Perron missed a year because of a hit from Joe Thornton and came back with a tinted visor? And now he's killing it as a top liner and a former All-Star and a Stanley Cup champion. Like, I don't like to be that guy, but I also, I also don't like to be the guy that's like, well, Joey Hishin's career was ruined. Well, Peter Mueller's career was ruined. Well, uh, this guy, that guy. Like, it's hard to really... You know, Josh Harding, another guy, the former Minnesota goalie. Like, it's hard to really gauge how this is going to be. All I could say on my end is, you know, Byram's going to, I'm, I'm now I'm sounding like diplomatic Joe Sackick or head coach speak, but <laughs> Byram's going to make that decision when he feels it's right for him and nobody has a right to question him because it is his decision. And we don't even know what kind of symptoms he's dealing with. We don't even know how harsh they are. We don't even know if they're symptoms that are aggravating him physically on the ice or if they're just symptoms that are mentally putting him in a dark space off the ice. We don't know what it is. And to assume and to sit here and try to predict what it is is, is wrong. It's That's not what we, you know, I mean, obviously it's what we do as humans, but as media, that's not what we do. All we can do is go in there and ask for an update on if or when he's coming back. Yeah, well said, well said. I don't think we can... Uh say anything else that hasn't already been said, right? I mean, every, everything 
we're all keeping a close eye on Bo Byram and we're asking questions about it at, at least once a week. So, you know, here's to hoping that he recovers soon and he's uh, back in the lineup because, again, I just love watching this kid play hockey. Um, let's take a quick break real quick. I know it's a, a short podcast. So we got to get more frequent breaks in here for our sponsors, and that's DraftKings. The moment football fans have all been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 or more and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? Bet on Super Bowl 56 props instead. DraftKings Sportsbook offers a wide range of props throughout the big game. Take your shot at winning cash by predicting props like a non-quarterback will throw a pass, a fourth down conversion, or total yardage, and so much more. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 or more and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code MHS at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Everybody's got their eye on the trade deadline, right? It's uh, what we heard is it's about five weeks away. And so we had a lot of questions to Joe Sackick regarding the trade deadline. Of course, this is really where he tried his hardest not to show his hand, not to show his cards, right? But I think there was a little, I guess, things we can read into a little bit that, um, you know, help us surmise what he's thinking a little bit. So that for me was the fact that he said, you know, we're looking for a hockey trade. We're going to have to get creative and, um, you know whether or not we actually end up making a trade right i think there was a that that last part the whether or not we actually end up making a trade stood out the most to me because part of me feels like there's some conversation within the organization saying this might be exactly the team we need i'm not sure how much better we can get with any of the additions available we might be able to move forward with what we've got you know, you and I were talking about this off air before we started recording, and this is something that I talked about with other media members last night about this exact topic. But I mean, I hate to do this boring thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give two takes. The number one take is this is typical GM speak where all he did in those three minutes of word jumble was he basically he kept everything on the table. We will or we won't, whether we do or we don't we will or we will not include a current player on the roster. So what I like the most about it, so that's my boring take, but my my good take from it is the fact that when we asked him if he needed to get creative, he went out of his way to mention a hockey trade. So in years past, and this is hilarious because I went back and I listened, there was a media availability with Joe Sackick sometime in February of 2020. We were at the uh, club level or the uh, administration level of Ball Arena, which was then Pepsi Center. It was about three weeks before the COVID pause. We did it in person, holding microphones up to his face and, you know, tape recorders up to his face. And Joe was talking about that trade deadline. Again, this is the 2020 year when they acquired Nemesnikov later on. He was talking about that trade deadline And I mentioned to him, would you be open to trading somebody on your current roster or are you only looking to trade futures and add something? And he said, we will do whatever we feel we need to do to make this team better. So basically all options are on the table. Well, yesterday when he said it, he's the one that mentioned hockey trade first. So he went out of his way to say, 
you know, we might have to make a hockey trade. And when somebody's referring to a hockey trade, that means money in, money out. That means you're not trading. I'm just throwing out names. It's not a new rumor, but like, you know, you're not trading a first rounder for Claude Giroux. You're trading a first rounder and I don't know, JT Comfer and Ryan Murray for Claude Giroux. Like just you're, you're putting money in, money out. It's a hockey trade. It involves players. It's Peter Mueller for Wojtek Volsky. It's something like that. So he went out of his way to mention that. And then for whatever reason, my brain was like, all right, well, let me ask the next question. I followed up with, well, do you feel that this means that you are open to trading somebody on your current roster? And just as he did two years ago, he said, we will do what we feel we need to do to make this <laughs> team better. It was, I thought about it after I was like, why do I feel like that was deja vu? And I went back to that 2020 presser and it was literally friggin' deja vu. So, I mean, I, I, I like the fact, again, he kept all options open, which is nice. Uh, somebody tried to ask him about trading the uh, 2021 for or the 2023 first round draft pick. Peter Ba asked him about that. And uh, okay, so the 2022 first rounder that he traded for Darcy Kemper, uh, you know, it's lottery protected, right? So lottery protected, as in if the Avalanche win one of the three trade uh, the one of the three draft lotteries, then the next year's pick goes to him. But in order for them to win one of the three draft lotteries, they have to miss the playoffs and be one of the bottom 15 or six or bottom 16 teams. It's obviously not going to happen. So Peter Ball goes, Joe, you know, you guys don't have a first this year. You traded it for Kemper. Would you be open to trading the 2023 first? And he goes on to this big thing, basically saying, well, you know, we can't do that because Arizona has a piece of it. And maybe and then he stops and goes, wait, 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 wait. Actually, ignore everything I just said. Ignore it. Ignore it. Technically, the Arizona pick is lottery. So put it this way. GMs put so many conditions on draft picks when they trade them now that they themselves can't fucking keep track of it. He, he had no idea up. what to say. He's like, no, 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 we can't trade that pick because Arizona, oh wait, no, Arizona doesn't hold the rights to it. I only lottery protected it. I didn't like Stanley Cup final protected or, you know, top five pick protected. And he was just kind of like, yeah, never mind. Scratch that. You know, he, he was trying to basically wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the media people to like strike that from the record and don't even add it. But obviously the recordings go up as they go up and it was still on there. So that was that situation. But then he went on to say that, you know, if, if I need to trade the 2023 pick, then yeah, you know, right now it's not on the table, but that could change. Basically show me the money teams. Like if, if, if you have somebody that I can use worthy of a 2023 pick, then let's fricking go. So again, he left all options on the table, but the most fascinating part to me was he's the one that mentioned the hockey trade thing it wasn't one of us asking him it was something that he said because that's what we always hear about cup contenders like no cup contender likes to remove players from their roster but he basically admitted that he's fine with that once he threw out the word hockey trade my mind started spinning right and because you're thinking all right what do the avalanche have to give up to get one of the big name guys that are being floated around i don't think it's a tyson jose i don't think it's a jt comfort that's not exactly a, a one-for-one hockey trade i do well, well no 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 hockey trade i wanted to run this doesn't have to be a one before for you one. try to start pooing me sorry <laughs> there's a guy on this roster that does provide a lot more value than just a, a tyson jose that tends to be buried in the bottom six and we've seen him fall out of favor, fall back into favor, fall out of favor, fall back into favor. I know where you're going. Do you going. think Andre Burakovsky is a little bit of a carrot that the Avalanche might be dangling to help get a bigger name into town? It could be. And I mean, we've seen these kind of trades before. We've seen, remember when the New York Rangers traded, of all people, Nemesnikov, when he was on that line with Stamkos and Kucherov and was a point per game player, they traded him 
all of their top draft picks, all of their top prospects to bring in Ryan McDonough and JT Miller. So there's a guy in JT Miller who is, uh, you know, a year away from pending UFA. There's a guy in Connor Garland who the Vancouver Canucks, you know, these are two guys that play in Vancouver, who the Vancouver Canucks recently gave a long-term deal to after acquiring him that they might be down to trade. So maybe Joe looks at a pending UFA and says, let's trade him for somebody who's under term. Let's trade him for somebody who can say, and that could be the kind of deal. You could see maybe a UFA and Andre Burakovsky go for somebody like Connor Garland who signed for, I think it's $4.9 million for another three or four years. So rather than just losing Burakovsky this summer and working on a way to replace him then, let's replace him now. I mean, did they not trade Volsky for Mueller once? Those are the kind of trades that you look for at the deadline. So it's not just about a rental. That's kind of been the theme in recent years, but it's not always just about a rental. It's about finding the guys like Tampa Bay did with Blake Coleman and Barclay Goudreau, where you're bringing them in. Granted, those weren't hockey trades. They traded picks and, you know, Nolan Foot prospects for them. But you're bringing in guys that can be here for foreseeable years, but you got to get creative. And creative might mean Andre Burakovsky, might mean JT Comfort, Tyson Jost. Uh, the, the two that stick out to me, one more than the other, are the two UFAs that they signed this summer to one-year deals, Darren Helm and Ryan Murray. So if you can trade a Ryan Murray who's a pending UFA, the name that I've got my eye on, and I'm just going to mention it now and we'll talk more about him later, is Luke Shen. He also coincidentally plays for the Vancouver Canucks. The reason why Luke Shen sticks out to me is because he's under contract this year and next year for only 900K, and he's a very serviceable bottom pairing defenseman. So... Why have Ryan Murray around for $2 million and then he's a UFA and you got to replace him when you can find a way to work him into a deal and replace him with Luke Shen, who you got next year at nine hundred k, freeing up $1.1 million this year to use on another deal to bring in somebody like Claude Giroux. And now you know, hey, next year we have this $900,000 defenseman on the third pair. You see, like those are the kind of creative mind, uh, things you got to do. It's, it's uh, you know, similar to why they signed Logan O'Connor last summer. Now they don't have to worry about Logan O'Connor and trying to figure out what his number is going to be. They know he's under contract for $1 million, $1.05 for the next three years. So getting creative and bringing in somebody like a Connor Garland or somebody like a Luke Shen, those are the kind of things that stick out. And the other guy is Darren Helm, using him as a throw-in piece to get his $1 million off the books if you want to bring in a bigger piece. But... Darren Helm's got some veteran presence-ness to him that this team really, really likes that I don't think they care too much about when it comes to Ryan Murray. So I think they would be more willing to trade a Ryan Murray than a Darren Helm. I love speculation, right? It's always fun. It's to, the best part of the job. It's always fun to try to feel and think about what uh, everybody in charge is thinking about. But I feel, especially in years past with Jared Bednar, you can tell what he's thinking you just by the way he's using his players right remember mark barbario suddenly was healthy scratched for like 25 games in a row and you're like all right mark barbario's on his way out i feel that same kind of vibe coming with andre burakovsky it just definitely strikes me as a guy that that you know they have zero intentions of bringing back because of his inconsistencies he's just not a jared bednar type guy and uh, yeah, I think he'd be a great piece to shop that'll bring a little bit of value back because we know what he's capable of. We know he has got a wicked shot. You pair him up with, uh, you know, something a little bit less important. And I think you've got yourself a nice little package there to bring back some noise. You can do a one for one trade for a team that might want to re-sign him right away. I mean, there's yep. options. I'm not right. I'm not saying Vancouver is going to give you Connor Garland for a UFA question mark. Like that's not going to happen. But 
I don't know, maybe, and I'm just, again, I'm just throwing ideas out there, not that this would happen, but like, if you wanted to trade him, let's say one for one to the Flyers for Giroux, with the Philadelphia Flyers knowing in mind that Burakovsky's not a throwaway, we're actually going to give him the money he wants, let's say six years, six million, and we'll give that to him in April before the season even ends. So now, instead of getting all these futures for Claude Giroux, which, by the way, they should get futures for Claude Giroux because they're not winning anytime soon, they can say, hey, we got the $6 million winger in Burakovsky that can give us 30 goals a year. So there's options out there. Creativity is going to be the name of the game this year. This is going to be the year of the third party trade partner. The what what Toronto or sorry what Tampa Bay had to do last year with with uh, what's his face David Savard, what the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs had to do with Nick Foligno, what the Vegas Golden Knights did using the Maple Leafs when they acquired Robin Leonard from the Chicago Blackhawks in terms of trading a player to a third team, giving them an asset to eat up more cap. So I th- I don't remember if I mentioned this on a past episode, but you know you have an eight point something million dollar Claude Giroux, Philadelphia eats half of his cap. So now he's at 4 million. But before trading him to the Avalanche, he goes, let's say through Detroit, we say, hey, Eisenman, we'll give you a fourth round pick, eat another 2 million and then trade him to us. So now you've given whatever you're giving to Philly to acquire Giroux, but you're also giving Eisenman and the Red Wings a fourth round draft pick. And now suddenly you get Claude Giroux at 2 million. That's what Tampa Bay had to do to bring in David Savard, and that was the missing piece to their defense. That's what Toronto did to bring in Nick Foligno, and that was a shit show and a hellstorm because of his injuries. That's the creativity. This is going to be the year of the third-party team. Everybody's going to do it. With all the things that must be running through Joe Sackick in terms of potential trade deadline moves, it's no wonder that he answered the, hey, are we looking at signing Darcy Kemper? Is that a conversation you're having? No wonder he said... We're going to wait till after the trade deadline to get something like that started because there's just so much to juggle, so much to think about, so many conversations to be had, right? I, I assume he's calling, you know, t- 10 GMs a day just to pick their brains, see what, what's available. Yeah, yeah exactly. see what's out there. But hey, speaking of that, and let's kind of get into these guys all at once. Claude, uh, not Claude, Jesus Christ, he doesn't play for the Avalanche, Arif. Uh <laughs> Valerie Nachushkin, we talked about Burakovsky. Valerie Nachushkin, Nazem Kadri, and Darcy Kemper. With Nazem Kadri, when he was asked about re-signing him, he kind of tiptoed, you know, let's wait till after the deadline and see what happens. With Kadri, he also kind of tiptoed, you know, in hindsight, somebody asked him in hindsight, would you have signed him? He said, you can't look back, you can't look can't back. Can't look back, you know, Terry. <laughs> yeah, you can't look back, Terry, and I, and I get it, you know, he was like... If the Avalanche gave Nazem Kadri a long-term or even any kind of extension last summer, everybody and their mother would have been bashing Joe Sackett. What the hell are you doing? This guy just got suspended for eight games. And I think the part that we all forget, he wasn't having that good of a season last year. He had two goals in his final 26 games or whatever the hell it was. He was not having a good year. And then he got suspended in the playoffs before he could be the valuable playoff, rugged, physical dude that he should have been against Vegas. So... There was no reason to give him an extension last summer. And, you know, maybe Kadri earned himself a couple dollars by getting that suspension because now he's having a 60, 70, 80 point season that he's on pace for. He's already got 60, I should say, where now he's going to make more money rather than if he played in the playoffs last year and got an extension, maybe making five and a half or six. So that suspension may have been good for Nazem's wallet, but he wouldn't tiptoe. He wouldn't be straightforward about wanting to resign Nas. It was kind of like, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And then I asked him about the last UFA. I know obviously nobody asked him about Pavel Francouz, but the starting goalie, he said later. Burakovsky, you know, not, nothing really mentioned there. Kadri, uh, Burak, uh, oh, whatever, Kemper, 
Then there's Valerie Nichushkin. And I said, is this a guy that you want to keep long-term? And he said, this is a guy I want to sign 100%. And then spent 10 minutes talking about why Valerie Nichushkin is the best human on the planet. Like he was fawning over Nichushkin. And um, the line was, we want to keep him 100%. So again, go back to the very first thing I said when, when, when you let me start talking at like the two minute mark of this podcast, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, Hey, I've been talking for the last 30, so it's fine. <laughs> We're even. I said that Joe Sackick did his best. Like you were saying, he was very careful with his words to the point where when he does say something in an absolute, it means something because he doesn't always do that. Joe, are you going to make a hockey trade? Well, we could or we couldn't. We may or we may not. We could or could not sign Kemper or Kadri or Burakovsky or whatever. But Joe, what about Valerian Destruction? Yeah, we want to keep him 100%. That means something because he was so forward about it. So, I mean, hey, the guy's having a great year and he loves it here. We know that. And, you know, Francis loves it here too. As he said last week, I wish to stay here. And uh, I think Valerie's going to get an extension, and I think he's going to be pretty decent price, like what I've said for the last couple months. Death, taxes, and the media asking everybody they can about Valerie Nachushkin this season. No, right? no, 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 no. <laughs> Death, taxes, and Arif asking 90% of the questions Arif about asking, Val. Don't, don't give the rest of the media right, credit right. for what I my crazy ass does. At the same time, though, you know, he just must feel like the bell of the ball right now because everybody you ask about him has nothing but amazing things to say. Of course, they're teammates, you know, coworkers, whatever, what have you. Yeah. They're going to say nice things. They're not going to cause a media storm, right? But these feel genuine. These are, like you're saying, these are absolutes. These are not just, oh, he's a, a good guy, loves the game, tries hard type of comment, right? <laughs> it's a it's a no. He's a big piece of this team. We're loving yeah. what he's doing. So he just must be just on cloud nine right now. Like you mentioned a couple podcasts ago, if not the last one, how much he loves Denver. Everybody loves him. I think you can bank on Val Nichushkin being in a Colorado sweater next year. And as Joe Sackick said... We want him 100%. 100%. No GM ever says 100%. The exact word was we'd love to keep him 100%. Um, And then I I guess, I don't know, what do you want to get into? You kind of got into Nazem Kadri. You kind of got into Kemper. Do you want to get deeper into those guys, or should we move straight to uh, McKinnon here? No, I mean, that's pretty much it. Kadri changed agents. I asked Joe about that, and he said, you know, you guys are reading too much into it, which is bullshit. We're not reading too much into the fact. Arif. He said, Arif, you're reading too much into it. <laughs> you yourself and you only are reading too much into it. Stop mentioning the Mitch Marner contract, but Joe, Darren Ferris does this. This is what he did with Marner. This is what he's going to do with Nas. But, uh, you know, nothing there, nothing about Kemper. It's just, you know, wait and see, wait and see. Not yes, not no. You know, it's that's was the theme of everything he said yesterday, except for the 100% comment. And then, of course, Nathan McKinnon. So take it away. Right. I mean, uh, I, it was the very last question. So shout out to Jesse, you know, good friend of mine. So very good question. Good yeah. question. It was a good question. It's just saying, hey, he's eligible to look at an extension. We know he's been underpaid for the last several years and he's ready to start making the, the money he deserves. Right. So you want to appease him and have that conversation with him the second you can. And it sounds like Joe Sackick is planning to do just that. Yeah, so Jesse asked him if this was something that he and his staff were already considering, and Joe laughed it off right away. He's like, we've been looking at this for three years. That's going to happen. This is the exact quote. That's going to happen the first day we're allowed to speak to him. We'll have contact with him and see if we can have an extension in place this summer. So the that's going to happen the first day we're allowed <laughs> to speak to him. That's, uh, that's not saying the contract's going to be signed on July 1st or whatever that date is now because everything's all sh- in shambles because of COVID. 
that's not what he's referring to. He's referring to basically saying that um, the first day we're allowed to speak to him about contract extensions, we're going to get on the phone and do it right away. So even if it is, which it will be, the first day of free agency, uh, even if the Avalanche do have a lot of work to do on free agency, they might need a new goalie, might need a new backup, might need a replacement for Berkey, might need a new defenseman to replace Ryan Murray, might need to need a new defenseman to replace Jack Johnson. They might need a lot of things. Darren Helms, a UFA, all of these things. Well, I don't care. First thing we're doing is signing Nathan McKinnon. That's the way it should be. And obviously you have multiple people on staff. It's not like everybody's talking to Nathan McKinnon while all these UFAs are going off the board. No, you got Joe, you got Chris McFarland, you got the rest of that staff in there. But somebody's going to be talking to Nathan McKinnon's camp right away. And um, that's going to be something that they're going to look to get in place this summer. That's another absolute. Yep, Same again, exact thing as the Valerie Nichushkin comment. Again, with the absolutes, that's what I was going to get into. And it makes me think now, you know, with the other three guys, Kemper, Kadri, Actually, Berkey. that was it. Burke, yeah, really. Well, he didn't really, ma- he didn't really mention Berkey, yeah. With him kind of tiptoeing and doing the we may or may not, you know, just like you were pointing out, I think part of it is just uncertainty in him. He wants to see how it plays out. He's yeah. not sure the way things are going to play out, and he's just going to kind of be reactive when that time comes and, and see what he can do. But I think you know we can all realistically assume that there's going to be at least one guy or two that, that we won't see that we really want to see on this team again. Yeah, I mean, Burakovsky might come out and be a, you know, a very big piece of the playoffs. He might do what Brandon Saad did last year and be that goal scorer every night and have that consistency and not be a streaky. Then it's like, all right, maybe we do need to keep this guy around. But if Burakovsky comes out and in, 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 I don't know, 15 games, not that I'm saying they'll only play 15 games, actually 15 games would at least mean third round. So hooray. But, you know, if, if in 15 games, Berkey has one goal, one assist, it's like, yeah, well, you know, you score 30 goals a year. We already have some issues with not wanting you. It's the same thing with Darcy Kemper. You know, if Kemper comes out and does the playoff thing and plays his ass off, he's more likely to get a contract extension than if he takes a step back. So for for Joe, I think it's not just a matter of making it work money-wise. It's a matter of deciding if I want these guys. You know, we've seen teams do this before. We saw the Alex Ovechkin era start with a different group around him. And, and guys like Troy Brower, he stepped in at one point. Uh, Alexander Semin, Sergei Fedorov was there. Guys like that were playing with Ovi. And then suddenly it's guys like TJ Oshie and a young Evgeny Kuznetsov and, and Tom Wilson. And that ended up being the group they won with. So, you know, you're not going to trade Landeskog, McKinnon, or Rantanen, or Makar, or Taves, or Gerard or any of these guys if you have one bad playoff series. But the depth pieces around them, not the depth pieces. Kadri is much more than a depth piece. So is Burakovsky. But the supporting cast around your main core could change on a dime. And and that's what we're going to see. It's the same thing we saw in Tampa Bay last summer. They lost Andy Gordon, Blake Coleman, and whatever. And they replaced them with uh, Pierre-Edouard Belmar and Corey Perry and, and guys like that. So, uh I just don't think Joe knows if he wants these guys yet. And and what happens the next three months and into the playoffs is going to determine if Burakovsky is going to be a lifer or if that's the guy you need to change. Right. I think, you know, if he could, he'd bring them all back. But that's just not the, the reality of the situation, especially when guys like Kadri are going to be demanding big money. And, and, you know, everybody on this team is having a great year. You know, it, you can... You can point to, you know, the defensive structure, the offensive weapons, whatever you want, but there's a handful of guys that are having some of the biggest years of their career. And, uh, you know, you can't just push that aside and ask them to take less money. So we'll see how he juggles it. It's going to be interesting, but um, he, he's a good juggler. We've seen him in the past. So um, I'm interested to see how it all pans out. But starting first with the trade deadline, I think that's what all of our focus is on. 
Yeah, I think so. And it's it's still five weeks away. And the other big thing that he mentioned from the trade deadline, like we already mentioned, is uh, what they need now could be different than what they might need in five weeks. And and that's a very big quote, too. Exactly. Because where my brain went to when he said that is, you know, things could change on a dime. Maybe right now we're all talking about needing Claude Giroux or, you know, Joe Pavelski or another depth forward or whatever it might be. And that could very much change because five weeks ago we were talking about a goaltender and Marc-Andre Fleury and let's let's shore up this goaltending group and now suddenly it's like no we're good we're good Kemper and Frankie are good and and I think the avalanche would prefer Kemper and Frankie work out because Kemper and Frankie working out means you can use what assets you have elsewhere rather than having to fix something that you already had to fix in the summer by trading a first and a prospect in Connor Timmins that has trade value to bring in Kemper in the first place. Whether or not they do something like that. They may or may not be interested. They may or may not, you know, we may or may not play hockey. This podcast may or may not get published today. It's, yeah, I I don't know. Nothing is really guaranteed. But if if you ask me if I want Valerie Nichushkin, 100% (laughs) I do. You know what else is guaranteed? Total beverage being great, I guess. <laughs> Ooh, look at that, that transition. Terrible. Everybody knows Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know that they deliver? Did you know that they have curbside pickup available? And did you know that they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself, or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. Arif, something funny from the last podcast, I was listening to myself do that read. And the, the part where I say, or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBeverage.com. You can't drink recipes. I had to make sure this time to <laughs> put a pause there, even drink recipes online. Sorry, just a, f- a fun little note I, I, I noticed on the last podcast. But um, so you got to place the emphasis in the right place. <laughs> yeah. Let's wrap this up. We got Dallas on Sunday and then Dallas again on Tuesday. Uh, I guess it's been a, a while since we've seen a back-to-back set with the exact same team, right? We saw it with Arizona, uh, I guess. And 74,000 74, times, last, 000 year too, times yes. last year. That's what I was going to get at. So what are you expecting uh, Sunday and Tuesday here with the, with the Stars? expecting the avalanche to not even want to get to overtime win this damn game and let's fly home so we can watch the super bowl that's what they're thinking in their brains yep probably they'll be they'll be a little bit late so they'll be streaming it on their phones like you know me when i'm stuck in traffic um but you know they'll they'll be uh it'll be a good game i think the avalanche there's no reason why they should lose to dallas in either game but you know as is hockey speak take it one game at a time and coming off a victory against tampa bay you're oozing with confidence anyway yeah, Dallas. By the way, you're also you're also what is it, thirty three eight and four, and you have seventy points, and you lead the NHL in everything. So you're good. Didn't mean to cut you off there. Maybe I did. Dallas has won six of its last eight games. So I know you know we don't exactly hold them in the highest regard because as it sits right now, they're not even in a playoff spot. But they do seem to be playing some pretty good hockey lately. I'm sure the Avs are a little bit pissed that they have to play on Super Bowl Sunday, but um, you know it's not a game you need to look past. They need to definitely focus on Dallas and make sure they're bringing their A game because Dallas has been bringing theirs lately, and uh, you can't be thinking about the Super Bowl during that one. You know who's won. Seven of their past eight games. Who that? The Avalanche. Well, I think I think they've actually won like eleven of their last twelve, and the one loss was like an almost loss because it was a shootout loss. So I think they'll be fine. 
Yeah, no, I'm just. It, it looks like it's a it's a battle of titans right now. Right? Like Arif, damn it, we can't go into this well. game and just say they're gonna win because why would we even watch the game they're otherwise? Gonna, they're gonna win out the rest of the season. Yeah, in I mean, size. that's what they've done since like November. So why not? I'm totally kidding, but it'll be a good game, and and you know we'll chat about we'll chat about Sunday's game on Sunday probably as it's happening or just as it wraps up, as well as recapping a hell of a game against the Tampa Bay Lightning yesterday. But we just wanted to really focus on Joe Sackick today because that was a that was a very big press conference, obviously for him to speak for the first time since October. Yeah, and like I said, he doesn't say much, so when he does talk, I mean, quoteless Joe, say it ain't so. In. Yeah, you're tuned in. So yeah, that'll do it. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us this is on this Friday night edition of the podcast. I hope you uh, get to it before the Super Bowl. But if not, in or I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. We need to wrap this one up. This is Friday night one. I don't know. Our head's not in the right spot. So I guess let's just wrap this up. What's your closing thoughts, Arif? That I don't know whether your wrap up, your transition, something was off today. Is it the snow? Is it working late yesterday? Um, uh, I'll be honest. Today I went snowboarding for the first time in six years. Jesus. So I'm a little bit beat up. I'm tired. Uh, I'm a good snowboarder. So I had a lot of fun out there. But would you snowboard yeah. down the 25? There's like four feet of snow out there. How the hell did you get anywhere? Crazy enough, the weather was beautiful in the mountains. I come down oh, nice. right, right when I got to about Idaho Springs. It's a blizzard, but nobody cares about that. So let's just get out of here. <laughs> let's wrap Thank, her up. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, we'll be better on Sunday. With that. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to that podcast. So uh, see you guys then. As always, if you made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty little heart. Let's make hockey for everyone. And we are out here.